Hello, everyone. I'm Dr. Andy Rourke, your host for the Uncharted Veterinary Podcast, and I'd like to start off this episode with a couple important dates for you to be aware of. Let's start on Monday, February 18th. I will be in beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada at Western Veterinary Conference on Monday at 4 o'clock the 18th of February. I'll be talking about bonding the modern pet owner, client loyalty in the age of Uber, and then on Tuesday, I'll be talking for two hours from 2 to 4 p.m. I will be co-presenting 10 Steps to Building a Culture of Compliance. It's me and my friend, Dr. Dan Markwalder. He owns 16 practices in Chicago area, and we are going to be talking about setting your clinic up so that pet owners hear what you're saying and follow your recommendations and take better care of their pets. And so that is what I am doing in Las Vegas on March the 12th, jumping ahead to March. March the 12th, we will be starting a new master class in the Uncharted community. It's going to be a four-week class with uh, lectures and Q&A and discussion groups and homework, and it is on DISC and team communications. And so I will be co-presenting this with uh, Dr. Kent Thornberry, and I think we may have uh, we may have one or two other guest lectures along the way. But we are going to be doing an in-depth course on team communication and how to make it amazing in your practice. It's totally free for Uncharted members. If you're an online member, you're good. If you're coming to one of our conferences, you're good. But go ahead and get registered and get in the community so that you can get signed up. We can get you into the right study group for you, and we can make this thing really awesome. So that starts on March the 12th and runs for a solid month. And on March 19th, we have a webinar inside Uncharted. It's called How to Schedule for a Profitable, Happy Practice. And it's done by my good friend, Dr. Sai Clement. She's, uh, I've heard her do this lecture before. It is fantastic. And she's got some, uh, she actually does some screen sharing and shows you what she's doing and how she sets things up. It's really the best talk I've ever seen on how to schedule so that you can handle uh, influxes and, and just the variation that you see in your practice day to day in a profitable way that the clients love and they feel taken care of. So if you're feeling slammed, if you're feeling like maybe your scheduling is not exactly how it should be, it's fantastic. Again, it's it's free and open to uncharted members, and then it will be in our in our online school after the webinar takes place. So that's March the 19th. And then finally, in April, it's the Uncharted Veterinary Conference. Did you know that the first Uncharted Veterinary Conference was held in 2017? And at the end of that conference, over 60% of attendees said that it was hands down the best conference they had ever attended. Think about that. It's not 10% of the people. It's not 20% of the people. 60% of the people there, more than half the people there said, this is the best conference I've ever been to. Okay? And this is not, we're talking about vet students. We're not talking about new graduates. Anybody who was there. People literally cried when it was over. Since then, <laughs> that's true. Since then, the conference has just gotten better. We've added a whole day to it, so it's longer. We've introduced the Uncharted Mic Drop Talks, which are amazing, and you can see a lot of those videos online. We've tweaked our programming again and again. We've got something super special and secret and new. It's called their Choose Your Own Adventure Tracks, and that will be this year, and you've never seen anything like it, I promise. And so that's in April. The next Uncharted Vet Conference, like I said, April 25th through the 28th in Greenville, South Carolina. It's all about marketing strategy and growing your veterinary practice. To learn more, check out unchartedvet.com 
or look for Uncharted Vet Conference on Facebook. And then you can read the online reviews because we turn on the online reviews and the people who were there can tell you what happened and what they think about it. You just want to act quickly because we cap the conference size to keep it intimate and make sure it's truly impactful for the people that are there. The cap for April is 150 people and we've got 105 who are already signed up. So we've got 45 spots less. I know it's three months away. It's going to sell out. It's going to sell out sooner rather than later. So get on that if you're up for it and I would love to see you there. Now, Let's talk about this episode. It's me, Stephanie Goss, Dr. Dave Nichol, and a flock of seagulls. Not the 80s, not the 80s band. There's no musical accompaniment. It is a literal flock of seagulls who are making their presence known throughout the podcast. I think they're adorable and delightful and have strong opinions about coaching employees. That's that's what we're talking about. It's us going through how exactly to coach someone in your practice. Can you really change someone's behavior? Can you grow them as a professional and or a person? The answer is definitely sometimes. And we're talking about when that is and how to actually do it. Let's get into this. And now, the Uncharted Podcast. Hi, guys, welcome to the Uncharted Podcast. It's me, Dr. Andy Rook, and I am here with Stephanie Goss, practice manager at Practice hey Certifiable Genius. And once again, back with my brother from another mother, Dr. Dave Nichol. He's just certifiable. <laughs> oh, man. It's well, a day. I'm excited for this. So my, my side disclaimer is if, if there's lots of seagulls in the background, it's because there's lots of seagulls in the background. I think this is going to be like a combination sort of business development meditation podcast. Nature show. Together. Maybe we could have a thunderstorm in the background next time. <laughs> that, that, it's the wrong time of year for that here. But we, we can have a – I'm trembling because I'm, I'm freezing myself to death next time or snow snow that would work we'll re- we'll record in the <laughs> jungle in the future <laughs> okay let's let's do something productive here all right cool how are you guys doing today good how are you really good very good very good better better than dave who's freezing dave dude no i'm fine i'm fine standing I'm... outside during the podcast i was i was <laughs> I was born in Scotland, so you know, cold is my middle name. Bring it. He's, he's going to great lengths to bring you guys uh, some good business development conversation this morning. Really, some value. Out there. Exactly, putting it on the line as much as I care. That's, I love, I love your commitment. I love it. I cared so much, I didn't book a soundproof booth to speak to you. Sorry. Oh, Wait, what? <laughs> All right. All right. Let's let's get into this. Let's so talk about coaching. Um, let's talk about coaching. Let's talk about how to coach people, because this is a skill that uh, that that people don't really discuss. I don't think most of our managers or our doctors or our head technicians, uh, front desk people. I don't think any, I don't think people have these skills and nobody lays it out for you. And so let's let's lay it out for people. Um, when we talk about coaching, what we're talking about is we're talking about feedback, but we're talking about over an extended period of time. This is working with somebody who's not going to make an immediate change in behavior. It's not like, hey, 
I need you to show up on time. And then tomorrow they can fix that. It's more like, hey, I need you to think about how you communicate with the clients or, hey, I need you to think about your attitude and how you uh, come across to the other technicians. And we need to work on that because it's a personality trait that's holding you back. And so that's what I'm talking about when I talk about coaching. I like to sort of give examples for us to really sort of tease apart because it gives us something concrete to, to work on and talk about. And so today, let's start. Let's take a veterinarian. And I think this could work for a technician as well. But let's take a veterinarian who is chronically slow. Let's talk about a veterinarian that is just constantly running behind. Let's say that our clinic does 30 minute appointments. She takes 45 minutes and um, and there's always a line to see her. There's always uh, someone waiting. And here's the kicker. She doesn't seem to think that this is a problem. When you mention it, she's kind of like, oh, you know, I make sure that I take care of people. But there are problems and, and we're seeing fallout. So let's take that case. And let me just plop that out in front of you guys and say, what are, what are your initial thoughts? Stephanie, what, what do you think about when I just give you this case and say, how do I work with this person? Oh, man. Um, the first thing I think of is so many questions. Um, I would want to look first at kind of what what are we before I even start to dig into them and their their piece of it. I would want to look at what are we doing as a clinic to support them? Are they leveraged with staff? Do we um, how's the overall communication with clients? I think there are some questions we have to ask about what are we doing to support them before I would I would dig into coaching them one on one on one. Dave, where would you start? I, I always think the best start point for any of these conversations starts with uh, understanding. And so jumping, I'm going to jump straight on to one of Stephen Covey's um, success habits, uh, and that is seek first to understand. Um, because in that moment, like there's a there's a there's a decision to be made, and and it, and that moment may come up again and again and again, and and you may have to make a different decision each time. So somebody responds to coaching, completely different situation. Somebody who is not responding, um, and is having a performance issue. So, um, so I think first thing is seek first to understand, and 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 that that to my mind, because there's so many reasons somebody could be running behind. You know, um, let's let's flesh the example out a little bit. You know, they're a veterinarian, maybe they're an inexperienced young doctor, recent or new graduate. You know, that the time you'd expect somebody to take in a consultation in that stage in their career is far, far longer than somebody who's five years into their career. Um, you know, and, and, and I'm, I'm going to preface anything I say here with I'm probably one of those people who... Um, We'd run behind because I'm fairly verbose and like to chat and tell <laughs> stories and and so I was I was you know I was never super slow but I do recall my first job having you know it was it was appointment cards I'm going to date myself a little bit here so it was not a practice management system yet there were appointment cards and they would get shoved through a little hole that was carved out in my exam room wall. And yeah, I started to get stressed when four cards were up there because it meant there was four clients waiting out in the in the wait area, mm -hmm. and and that, you could tell that from the noise and the bedlam that was happening, as you know, dogs didn't like each other and cats were in there and blah blah blah. So the first thing I think is, and the thing I learned the most in this situation through standing in the exam room with hundreds of different doctors over the last last sort of um, ten years, is you really don't know what their standard is like and where they're going wrong until you've witnessed it until you understood it 
yeah. and don't make assumptions. And that's one of the worst things that we can do because it almost puts you in a situation where you, you almost can't coach. If you, know, the, you think about the role of a coach, fundamentally that person's there to help somebody be their best. And, and a lot of the best coaches are not people who played at the top level of their game, if, if you use sports as an analogy. Um, <laughs> you know, you look at the likes of, over here in the UK, Alex Ferguson, Jose Mourinho, um, never played football at the level of the um, uh, Andy's, Andy's uh, namesake Lionel Messi or his lookalike Lionel Messi or Cristiano Ronaldo, <laughs> these world names. And, 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 I, and I can't comment for American football or anything like that, but I'm willing to bet the same is true, that the, the best coaches out there, they're not necessarily the ones are the best players so so in, you have to be on their team you have to be on their side you have to have their trust and, and one of the problems we have is we jump straight into judgment as managers as leaders quite often and as soon as you're in a, a judgmental situation now there might be good reason for that but if you're wrong then there's almost no way back in that moment other than to admit you're you were wrong which is which is something that a lot of leaders egos won't let them do um so I think seek first to understand. So so why I think I think Stephanie, this is you know, the point you were you were getting on there, which was, you know, what's going on, you know, and then are are there adjustments? Like, have you put them in a system that set them up to fail, or mm-hmm. is this somebody who just they don't have the required skill level? And and then I think at that point, then you're you're moving more into a coaching situation. So let me pass the ball back to you there, rather than hog the mic. Um, where would you take it next? Yeah, I I agree 100%, Dave. And, and that, that was my first line of thinking is how can you start a coaching call with um, or a coaching conversation with somebody with them being on the defense? Andy, Andy, what would you do to um, to set the stage for them? No, I, I think that I think that you guys both jumped on it right away. Uh, you know, I want to get into coaching for sure. But I feel like one of the things that a lot of us do is we look and we say, this person's having a problem. Obviously the problem is with them. They are the problem. I will help fix them, which will make the problem go away. And I think that that is our default setting and how we see the world. And, uh, you know, Dave, Dave is the first one I think who, uh, who told me this years ago and it's become one of my core settings. I say all the time is if everyone is being a jerk to you, (laughs) <laughs> you are probably the jerk. And I use different words. I use different, different words for sure. Yeah. Don't repeat them here. <laughs> no, uh, but that's, that's so true. And a lot of times I look and go, ah, my, my, my reliable, wonderful technician is doing this thing that's driving me nuts. What's wrong with her? And it's probably that I don't understand everything that she's dealing with. If I'm not, you know what I mean? If I haven't been in her position or maybe I don't totally grasp it all aspects of the issue. Maybe she's um, she's decided that she's going to approach it this way for, for a good reason. And so the safest thing as a leader is not to just walk in there John Wayne style and be like, all right, pilgrims, I'm going to fix this problem. All of y'all come over here and listen to me. That's bad. That's a, that you are setting yourself up to be humble. And I, hmm. I think we've all probably yeah. done that too many times. So what the heck is going on? Let, let's start off with some open conversations. Help me understand what's happening. You know, I love the mention, which is, hey, you know, and I, I noticed that you you've been running you've been running behind. 
what's going on? How, how is that happening? I love that opening conversation, low stakes, get them talking and listen to them, really listen to them. And so uh, Dave nailed it too. All of these things we're going to be talking about in context of who are we dealing with? What is the problem here? If I've got a vet who's a brand new vet, she, uh, he's a recent graduate and he's running behind, that's probably inexperience. You know, if I've got a veterinarian who's been out 10 years, that's maybe a stylistic choice. It's maybe a communication style thing. And, you know, it's different depending on who we deal with. So the first thing, let's let's get that off the table and just say, do we really understand what's happening? Is the problem with this person or are they not getting uh, the resources they need? Say, say I've got a veterinarian, they don't have the support staff they need, and then I come down on them for, for running behind. That's not really fair and I'm not really helping the practice as a whole. But let's take it and let's say that we, um, let's say that we've got, let's say that we've got a new graduate and he's not, he's not keeping the staff busy. They're standing around waiting for him to get out of the room. And we go and we want to talk to this person and they want to get better and they want to get more efficient or they understand that there's a problem or they're probably feeling stressed. How do we initiate that conversation to help them get better? So let, let's start there and, and move forward. So Steph, what do you think from that? So I, I think the first thing that you have to do is you have to in, to start the meeting and really have the conversation be productive. I think that there has to be some um, trust there. And I think that you have to approach it so that they don't feel judged, that they don't feel blamed, that it's very, you know, non-accusatory because. Um, but at the same time, I think you need to tell them, why are you why are you meeting? Hey, I wanted to sit down and um, have a conversation with you about how you think things are going in the exam room. Um, you know, you seem you seem stressed out or it seems like your um, team may be not having enough to do. Tell me a little bit more about how you think things are going and give them the opportunity to talk first because I, I really want to hear what they have to say. I want them to feel comfortable. Um, I want them to feel open to the conversation. And if you, like you said, if you come at it like, hey, here's a problem. Let's talk about how we're going to fix it. Um, our nature is, as people, as human beings, is to immediately shut down the conversation. I don't know, Dave, how would you start the conversation? Yeah, I agree. Like you don't want them, you don't want them to feel attacked. Um, now, I would, I would go at this um, – from two aspects and 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 so there's the, what, one of the things is have we have we been clear about what the expectation is in the first instance it's like i think it is a nightmare to manage anybody in any situation where we've not really we've not made we've not articulated clearly what the required standard is and so for me there's two two areas that you must do that and if you don't do these things then any form of um support role that you play you're going to come off as a bit of a douche because you're 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 asking somebody to play a game that that they have no idea what the rules are you know it's like yeah. playing tag and i do this with my my six-year-old daughter whom i love to pieces except when we play tag because because <laughs> what she does is she she tags me and bombs off down the street and then she decides that the pink squares on the street the pink flagstones are a safe place so I can't get her there, and, <laughs> yeah. and then and then 
so she stands there for a bit and then we play this you know we have this sort of mexican standoff moment and then <laughs> then so she and i blink and she takes off again and then she decides a lamppost is how she plays in that safe which effectively means the dice are completely stacked against me you know so i'm faster than her but, but she's smart enough she to work out I <laughs> that's probably well, hard for you well, it's very, it's like you know, this crippling, and um, and it's you know, my ego can't handle that. So in the end, I just have to like push her over and, and give you, her scuffed knees and tell her off for ruining her clothes. And I, no, but, I but no, more seriously, I knock my kids off base. I'll just, I'll just knock them off. Like just, just, just put the shoulder in exactly because it's toughening them up, right? Um, so, but the, the the serious point is, we've got to make it clear what the rules of the game are. Otherwise, your people will feel the same as I do. Like, how do you win this game? Like, is there a way? Um, and nobody wants to play a game where they where the where they don't feel like they can win. So, how, and that comes down to the form of have we have we developed a clear set of objectives of what is expected of the role, and do we have standards of care? One of those standards of care. That's where it gets more granular. And you can you can really get deep into okay well how long should a consult last for how long should a should a, a neutering operation take and and what suture material are we going to use here once you've got that standard defined you've got your start point and you can measure all progress or performance against that and without it you can't without it it becomes your opinion against somebody else's which is why these things are so damn hard and why people have so much of a problem with them as soon as you've got the standard you don't because you can calibrate against that and now the the second phase of of this stage comes down to okay and and for me coaching is a continuum you know it goes from coaching and it goes goes to training and and it really depends on your judgment of your assessment of where that person is on the, the learning curve Okay, so what level of competency is reasonable to expect based on their skill level, the number of times you've had the conversation, the complexity of the task? And and they're going to fall into one of three categories. And either you're going to be training them, which is where you have absolute responsibility and you, you teach them every move to make and you're standing with them and helping them. And, and they're probably watching you at that point. Um or are you going to mentor them where, you know, they've watched you a couple of times, they've read some books, they've watched the video, they've, they've had a go, and now you're there supporting them. So now our, our responsibility is kind of shared. Um, and, then, and then you move eventually up to somebody who's in a much more a position of probably what we'd call um, conscious competence or even unconscious competence where they're actually really good and, and and maybe now they're taking on something different or there's a, a small adjustment needs to be made and now now you're coaching them. But the, but the, the, one of the pitfalls, again, that gets made, you know, once you make the decision, you're really, for me, a lot of the time, I find myself switching between the modes based on what the response I'm getting from the person. Um, and, and coaching, in a lot of cases, you get there eventually but you have to work on training and mentoring first before you get there. Um, so for our younger vet in this example, chances are we're going to be more in a, of a mentor type conversation, which is which 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 is very much what you've described, Andy. You know, um, and but then if you move, let's say you've had the conversation, and I like this is a structure I use. Forgive me for for rattling on a little bit here, but I I, I developed a little structure which I, um, you know, I did a bunch of reading on it and tried a bunch. Ways and and so I came up with my own little structure and it's called SOAR S O A R not S O R E because if you get it wrong then it is the latter for sure. Okay, and so the first wear them out, wear them out, or you know get your stick and beat them, 
beat them. That's how they'll learn. Um, so that's the scuff knee option. But let's not go with the shoulder charge and scuff knee option. Um, you know, so it starts out, okay, so what's the situation? S is for situation. O is for um, objective. Um, uh, a is for actions. And then R is for review. Uh, okay, so let's start with S. So, so what is the situation? And with coaching, you're asking questions. That's the big difference. You're always asking questions. Okay, so what's going on? Okay, here's the standard. Um, how are you getting on with that standard? Where are we meeting it? Um, uh, you know, and what are your struggles? Um, what are your wins? So it's kind of a broad-ranging exploration. So you first understand right there. Then you move into the objective. Okay, well, where do we need you to be? So this is where you are. We're all clear on that. Where do we, where do we need you to get to? You know, we've been avert about that from the start. So it's not like there's any surprises here. Um, and so then we, we then say, OK, well, here's the gap. Now that That is, that's the training gap right there. That's the opportunity. So what do you need from me in order to get there? What what things do you think you can try um, in order to get there? And it's that sort of question that is really important because when it's their idea, they have the ownership and, and they're far, far more likely to take ownership if it's their idea, right? If it's just you telling them, then guess who? who's who's to blame when it doesn't work? <laughs> if it's your idea, right? you. so it's you all every time. So, but if it's their idea, okay, so listen, we're running half hour late in consults and I know you're, you don't like the clients complaining. You told me that. So what, what else, what can we do? What things are happening? What do you see as the bottlenecks here? That, and, and what options have we got? Um, to change that okay so 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 this this is then our actions and it's really an exploration of the process and the options to improve the process um which, driven by them in a coaching stage driven by you in a training or mentoring stage and, and probably shared in a mentoring stage and then finally as a review it's like okay when are we going to check back in and and how are we going to measure our success and again so everything is over there's it, it is a it is a it's a low stakes conversation, uh, depending on what's happening, but it's still a no big deal conversation. It's maybe maybe low stakes is, is not the way I would I would describe it because it's a it's a no big deal. Like we build this whole feedback thing into being a huge deal, mm-hmm. so then it becomes a huge deal, of course. But if we come at it like it's a listen, it's no big deal. It's my job to help you be the best you can. That's what I'm going to do. That's what this conversation is about. Let's lay that out to start with. Let's use the structure. Um, then I think the conversation holds an awful lot less fear for everybody. Fear from the manager side of conflict, fear from the, the you know the coachee or the coach or the mentor person from you know f- um, failure for not being good enough. Um, so that's how so, I go about it. So um, I I think let's dig into this a little bit because Andy, this is something that you're really good at as a leader is. Um, taking away the fear from the conversation when you give feedback to people. And I imagine it's um, the same in your clinic as it is with, with our team. And, um, you know, we're working in a different environment, but I feel like it's very similar. You are very good at making the feedback conversation truly a conversation and not, oh my God, I'm sitting down because I'm in trouble. So tell us a little bit about what your style is. I think that's what we get in the clinic so often, right? Like when I, I have at more than one occasion sat down with an employee and the first words out of their mouth are, oh my God, am I in trouble? And that's a learning opportunity for me because like Dave said, if there's fear, you're never going to get anywhere with the conversation. So how do you, how do you approach it? Well, thanks for saying that. Um, so, so the big thing, I think, I think one of the first mistakes we make out of the box, I want to see if, if Dave sort of agrees with it, is um, 
we as leaders are so uncomfortable having these conversations that we let way too much stuff go. And yes, and yes. when I say let it go, I don't I don't I don't mean we we should be having more meetings and closing more doors. I don't mean that. I think that like when there's little things, we just um we get this internal like sort of almost fear and like I don't I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want to be I don't want to be that boss or that guy that that makes other people uncomfortable. So we just let it go. And so a lot of times the first time that people in our clinics hear about a problem is is when we're closing the door and we're saying, you know, this is a big issue. And is the first that they're really hearing about it. They may know it's an issue, but they don't they I think a lot of us tell ourselves that like the people we work with don't notice the little corners that we cut or the mistakes that we make. Oh, they they do notice. They might not say anything, but they see it. And so I, I feel like honestly a lot of it is it's sort of being proactive. And just having little conversations at the very beginning before this becomes a big deal. And so um, if you can catch it early, I think that plays very much to what Dave said about keeping the stakes low. That That's really a skill and an art form. It's about being conversational. Um, I, you get away with a lot more of these conversations and you keep the stress level low if you're also having these conversations about things that are positive. If you're pulling people aside and saying, hey, um, dude, I saw you do this thing. It was amazing. Like, I just want you to know, I saw you do this great thing. That was awesome. If you have those conversations and you can pull people aside about little corrections or, or little things we need to discuss that are not super positive, and, and you get a lot farther because they're used to having these conversations with you. If the only feedback they ever get from you is negative, then you better believe their fight or flight is going to take off as soon as you pull them aside. So uh, I, I think that that, I think that's the first thing is catch them sort of early. The other big part, um, start with, start with why, uh, why is it a problem for this doctor to take 45 minutes instead of 30 minutes? May, you know, like, like, Hey, let's talk about this and say, Hey, you know, when, when we run behind, we've got people out in the waiting room. We actually got a, a three-star Yelp review from somebody who loved us, but they said they always have to wait when they're here. So we're starting to get some negative feedback from the clients. Th this is, this is becoming an issue that we need to address. And again, it's not about attacking that person, but it's like, Hey, here's why we're having the conversation. Hey, when 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 you show up late, the whole staff is, you know, like thrown off for the morning and everybody is stressed. And honestly, people don't get reset from that stress until lunchtime. And and so just just tell them about why why we're having this conversation. And the other part of it, I think, is is one is be vulnerable. You know, we don't learn if like, Dave nailed it. You know, the greatest coaches are not the greatest players. You know, you don't see Michael Jordan coaching basketball. He's the best player ever not necessarily the best coach. The best coaches, you did take guys like Mike Krzyzewski or uh, Phil Jackson, you know, they not notable players, but they can teach. We learn the best from people who are not naturally amazing. We learn the best from people who have struggled themselves and they can say to you, hey, I totally understand. I've had some of these problems. I've, I've had to work through this myself. Can we talk about it? Now you've really made yourself vulnerable. You've opened yourself up. It's not, I'm great, you're bad, um, bow before me. It's, hey, this is hard, man. I got your back. And, and we come at it from a point of being kind to that person. And again, just I'm just hitting on Dave's points right after he did. It's, it's about wanting this person to succeed. And if you genuinely want that person to succeed and to be, to be happy, when they struggle, they're not happy. So help them not struggle so that they can they can enjoy their work so they can uh, have better days so they can get more reward from practice. 
when you really honestly come from that mindset, people people get it. And when they get it, then you get into the you get into the conversation. And it's not about lecturing. As Dave said, it's coaching is about asking questions. It's really leading people on a journey to discovery and getting them to come with the own answers. And so um, so the questions that I like, and, and I want to circle back to, to Dave's questions here in a second, but um, the questions are, 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 I'll ask things like, you know, how, how do you think it's going? Or we'll talk about the reasons why, say, running behind is, is a problem or why it's becoming a problem. And I'll say, you know, so, so what, do you, what do you see as the, as the challenges in the exam room? Or, or, or what's making the exams, what's making the exams take so long, do you think? And now I may, I may know the answer. I may have looked at the tape and looked at, you know, looked at the numbers and seeing client surveys and reviews. I may know exactly what the problem is. It's better for me that the person I'm working with, that they discover the, the problem, that they come up with the issue. So I'll say, yes. you know, what exactly is taking so long in the exam room? Where do you see these? Uh, where do you see these holdups? And they'll say some stuff. And then my, my, my favorite question is, okay, is there anything else? Or what else, what else is slowing things down? Tell okay. me more. Tell, tell me more. That, and that's coaching, guys. It's tell me more. It's um, what else? And then finally, is there anything else? And I, I am just digging, but I'm making this person unpack the exam for themselves, right? Once they get there, my favorite question is, so, so what, is, what is the real challenge for you? And I like for you because I'm, I'm saying, what is your role here? What is, what's the real challenge for you? And so if I just talk to somebody about what takes so much time in the exam room and they say, oh, the clients just love to talk to me. They love to talk to me. I go, great. Well, what's the real challenge for you? Now we're getting to, well, I need to, I need to figure out how to make them feel heard and still at the same time control these conversations and being able to wrap them up. Great. That sounds fantastic. What options do we have for accomplishing that? Or how are we going to do this? And again, they're going to have more ownership of the solution if they come up with it. So, I mean, Steph, what do you, what do you think about that? Does that kind of fit with what you've seen? Yeah, for sure. I, I, I think that that's a great way to approach it because you're asking them to be an active participant. They're not sitting there feeling lectured to or at. You're really, as as Dave said, you're you're putting... Um, whether it's a new associate or someone who's been out of practice 10 years, you're putting them in the driver's seat and you're making them feel like an active part uh, partner in the conversation. And I think that establishing that kind of trust, even in a, just a casual, um, you know, coaching conversation, not even necessarily a sit down, let's talk about this problem conversation, you're making them feel um, like an like an equal partner and in control of the situation, which if you want them to fix the behavior or you want them to change something, they have to feel some measure of control and you're allowing them that and you're still circling them around to where you need them to be. So I think that that's a fantastic way to approach it. Dave, what do you, what do you think? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm coming just with an example from just from today. So I had a conversation with um, one of my, one of my team, one of my docs, and the conversation was about content generation. So this what this wasn't feedback particularly. This was, you know, we've got an objective to produce and publish a, a new piece of video content every week. And now we're through the, you know, the Christmas all gets a bit messed up, and uh, nobody is really on point 
for that. Um, but so, if, you know, for, for a second week back, it's like, okay, let's get on it. Um, and so, you know, I, I sent a, a message to saying, hey, um, where are we at with our um, content production? Because, you know, they're busy in the clinic and it's never their priority. Um, but it's my priority from the marketing perspective. Um, and they know that. So there's no conflict there. It's just, you know, it's not, not the first thing they want to get to. Anyway, so then I get the question back. Oh, okay, we've worked through the list that you said. Um, so what do you want us to focus on? And and so then you're straight into, com- you know, this the, and this is the moment of truth for, for leaders, really, is if you ever want to have a happy life as a leader of any team anywhere, this is the question right back there. That's the... I want I want to not think about this. Um, I want you to do my job for me. Question. So what what else should I do? Produce for you here, and I'm like, um, you know, inside I recognise that question. Not for what it is. It's not being malicious. It's just the way we've trained most people to, you know, feed off of our need to be important and to tell them to do everything because that's the paradigm of leadership we've got in our brain, which is you know bullcrap. Um, so instead of, of just telling what I, I said, I said, well, listen, what do you think the clients will respond to? I mean, you know where we're putting this out. You know what our objective is. What do you th- what do you think the clients should respond to? Um, and actually, I just told a little story about, you know, um, what I always go to in the exam room. I give a little feedback on style, um, uh, you know, and, and but I asked, I asked the question back, what do you, what content do you think the clients would respond to and what, where would you, how would you be able to work that sort of thing out um, so that you could just keep producing content at the drop of a hat and not have to ask me. Um, and you know that, that that would be valuable content and it wouldn't be a waste of your time. Um, and so end of that bit of the conversation, I just sent her, sent her away to think. And then, you know, I get a, a text with like six or seven ideas back you know, nice. 10, 15 minutes later, and I'm like, bam, there you go. So so right. not all of them were perfect. So then we can have another little feedback conversation about why some of them might work, some, why some of them might not work. I don't expect her to know the nuances of the way that clients are thinking, but it's important to start to understand a bit more of that so she can make better and better decisions independently in the future. And so it was, it was you know, it was moving from a, you know, coaching is about asking questions, feedback, you're giving information, coaching you're eliciting information in order for somebody else to then make their own decisions independently next time over and over and over again so it's really a combination of those two tools um in one that then we arrived at a you know a, a solid list um and and what's important is to make sure that, that you don't steal back ownership of that yeah <laughs> and say something dumb like yeah that's what i thought yeah great 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 even if you were thinking it you know <laughs> Because then it's yours again. Yeah, you know, like you just stole credit back for it. And then they're like, well, what did you put me through that for? So it was like, okay, that's cool. I can't wait to see the content. And now, uh, right before I came on this call, I've got four videos um, in in my inbox um, that, that yes. have been shot. And I'm sure she's going to listen to this because I know she's a she's a fan of Andy's. So, so, um, so, that's fantastic, you know, though. Forget everything I just said. <laughs> no, no, I, no I, I love it. And, and, and I mean, that's that's how it's done is, you know, you, you put it back to them and say, well, what do you think and, and what do you want to do and how would you approach this? And then you've yeah. got something that they genuinely, they feel ownership of, they feel pride in. And the question that I like to follow it up with is, um, is okay, great. How can I, how can I support you? Right. Exactly. Which is what like, do you need what, from What me? do you need from me? And this is, this is servant leadership. You know, it's, it's hey, this is your idea. This is where you want to go. How can I support you? And, and I don't. 
I don't have to agree necessarily with what they say. They might say, well, you, I need six new technicians just for me. And I go, okay, well, <laughs> I don't know that that's in the cards. Let's talk about the things, you know, we can do. But again, how can I support you? Because I'm not just saying I'm going to coach you, coach you, and now you go figure it out. I'm, I'm happy to help. I genuinely want you to succeed, which is why we're having this conversation. And I'm willing to get you training uh, if you need it for these things. I'm willing to look at the way that we're scheduling your appointments. I'm willing to do all those things because I do want to help you, but it does have to be in the, in the confines of, of having optimal outcomes for our practice. And then Dave, you said this as well. And I just want to hammer this home because a lot of people are going to say, they're going to listen to this and they go, who's got time for this crap? These conversations take forever. And I would, <laughs> I would say the alternative, not having these conversations, that takes forever. Yes. So that's like and that, it lasts forever. And it lasts forever. It never goes away. I just, I've had these conversations again and again. People go, how do you have time for these conversations? Listen, the amount of time that you waste and the stress that you have not having these conversations is so far beyond what you do just having the conversation. And the other part is, um, you know, organizational power. If you have to tell somebody, hey, do this because I'm your boss and you tell them I'm your boss or you just imply that you're the boss. So they do it. That's organizational power. I think that that's a crappy play in the long term. I don't think it works well. I think you want relationship power. You want the fact that I care about you and you know I care about you and I trust you and you trust me. I think that's the lever that you pull. I think the fewer times you can do, you can pull a lever that says you need to do this because I'm your boss, because I sign your paychecks. I think the better off you are avoiding that. Do you guys agree with that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent, all in, all in. Great, cool guys. Well, I think I think we covered it pretty well. Um, any uh, any parting words, things that people should remember going out the door? I'm not sure. I remember who just went out the door. So no, not particularly. <laughs> <laughs> no. Dave's, no. Hy- Dave's hypothermia uh, is kicking in. Is it, is I actually can't, can can't feel my left hand anymore. My my my. Um, I think my phone. I'm, I hope I'm not coming across like I'm phoning in, but I'm I'm literally phoning in rather than figuratively. Um, and I think I'm I'm going to have to get a blowtorch to get my phone out of my hand. I think it's actually frozen <laughs> onto my phone. Doctor, Doctor <laughs> Dave Nickel, he's putting it all on the line for you people. All on the line. It's all in right there. Dave, Dave you're a, you are a performance management genius. I've said it before. I don't think there's anybody in medicine that is good as you at performance management like we talked about today. Um, you have a program, you have VetX, which is a leadership development program. It's a mentorship program for uh, young associate veterinarians. Where can people learn more about your programs and where can they find you? All right, so they can they can hit, uh, so if you're an associate doctor and you wanna learn some the, the basic non-clinical skills to the foundation skills to have a purposeful and fulfilled life, that's VetX Thrive then that you head to the course called VetX Thrive. Both these courses are on vetxinternational.com. Um, and they're, they're, fully, they're fully trained, like mentored up classes. VetX Thrive is a very low investment um, class as well. Like it's not going to sink your CE budget. Um, you will get epic value out of that. And if you're managing the, the teams, if you're in management leadership of any, any level, team level, ownership, thinking about it, that's VetX Leaders. Um, and again, you'll, you'll find that on, on vetxinternational.com. And if you just want to follow my my musings and mutterings, and uh, probably Instagram's the best, the place I the place I find least toxic on social media to hang out. 
Um, so Instagram.com forward slash Dr. Dave Nickel. N-I-C-O-L is how you spell the nickel. That's me. Yeah. Cool. So when you say vet X, is that V-E-T and then the letter X? Is there a hyphen in there? Yeah. No, just... all one word. So V-E-T-X uh, International. No hyphen, no nothing. All straightforward. Easy peasy. Great. Thanks again, Dave. Thanks, Stephanie. I appreciate it. See yeah. you guys later on. Thanks for having us on. And that's what we've got on coaching for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode and that you're getting a lot out of the podcast. I know I'm enjoying it. I think I'm getting a lot of this.